Hello, and welcome to Jordy Happiness Hero. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I am with Deanna Hi. Johnson, and I think you're joining me from Kansas City. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I am. All right, Kansas City. I didn't want to say that you lived in the wrong place. And oh, Deanna and I all the time. <laughs> Deanna and I met in college. I don't honestly remember when or how or through whom. Like that. That's all lost in my memory bank. But we knew each other in college. And then after I married my husband, I found out that you had been part of the same group of close friends with my husband in high school. And you guys have stayed friends, this group of friends for over 20 years, which just makes me feel so old. But that's the truth. And Deanna is a photographer and a mother, and she's great at many, many, many things. But she recently posted a reel about an awesome orange entryway bench that she had scored off of Facebook Marketplace. And when I watched this reel, it just hit me that I knew I needed to learn more about your perspective on thrifting. And I wanted to have this conversation with you about it because you had introduced a perspective that I hadn't necessarily thought about. And so that's that's when I decided like we had to have this discussion. Cool. And so let's get started and to begin we're going to begin the same way i begin every episode and that's by saying deanna give me three random facts anything you want about yourself oh boy um let's see so i mean you just mentioned my thrifting i have um hoarder tendencies and a shopping addiction um and so i absolutely love thrifting i love teaching other people how to thrift so i mean that one's kind of a easy um i um, love to read. Um, so I read quite a bit, not as much as I, I don't give myself as much time as I wish I did. Um, and then, um, I am, um, really obsessed with finding new restaurants, um, and discovering like new local places to eat. So that's another, I'm obsessed with Kansas city. I absolutely love living here. And it's been like the most fun thing to discover new local restaurants as they come up. Um, and it's really turned me into kind of like a food snob. So that's a lot of fun as well. This is why we're friends, Deanna, because <laughs> we both, we both love photography. We yes. both love reading. We both or want to be foodies or kind of foodies or whatever, because I too love that. Uh, there's so many similarities here that I, and we both love thrifting. I love thrifting. These we're just, we're kindred spirits. <laughs> I appreciate all of those things. And I'm so excited to pick your brain about your thrifting expertise. And so I always have a quote of the day on my episodes and it's kind of like a guide conversation guiding point or starting point. Oh, my throat just made the grossest sound. I hope I, I might have to edit that out. That was me just drinking my, I don't know how many cups of coffee I've had today, but it's probably an unhealthy amount that I was just drinking. <laughs> and it just spoke. It just said, quit drinking so much coffee. But quote of the day for today is, as consumers, we have so much power to change the world by just being careful in what we buy. And that was by actress and activist Emma Watson, who I look up to and I, I just, she's a very talented and a very inspirational human being. But I liked that quote that we as consumers have so much power to change the world. And I don't think anybody thinks of it that way, but it's absolutely true. Absolutely. So, so to start off this episode about changing the world through thrifting and whatever else we're going to talk about. 
I always ask to know your origin story. And in this case, more specifically, I want to know how did you get introduced to the whole world and idea and environment and business for you in this case of thrifting? Yeah. So, um, I, I grew up, um, you know, in the same hometown as your husband did. Um, and, uh, we were pretty poor growing up. Um, there wasn't a lot of resources. There wasn't a lot of money. Um, and so I think that kind of introduced me to, you know, just the necessity of thrifting. Um, you know, back when we were kids though, thrifting wasn't cool. It wasn't this avant-garde thing that people were doing. Um, you know, it was going to the dirty store and picking through other people's leftovers. Um, and so we kind of did it like on the fly and there was a lot of shame around it at that time, you know, growing up that like, we didn't have resources for new things. Um, but, and then twofold in that too, my grandpa owns this discount store. I would equate it to like maybe a big lots kind of, so it's not used things they're new, but you just never knew what you were going to find. And I grew up working in his store after school to earn my own money. And so we kind of like got introduced to this idea of like, when you find something good, you've got to grab it because it might not be there tomorrow. Um, which I think is where like that, you know, hoarder side of things come from. Uh, but just like being kind of more using it more resourceful, um, learning early how to make things, how to repair things was a big deal. Like when I was in like middle school and high school that we, you know, we went to the mall and there was vanity, which was like the store that we all wanted to be able to shop at. And for me, I just, you know, I had to pay for my own clothes with my own money. And so it didn't, um, it wasn't wise for me to go buy retail things. Um, so I got really good at shopping clearance racks. Um, vanity had a damaged rack when I was in high school. So I learned how to, you know, iron on patch a hole in a pair of jeans or, you know, sew different things to make them fit me, um, just to kind of make them stretch so that I feel like I had the clothing that I wanted in order to like fit in socially. Um, but also just a lot of things weren't accessible to me. Um, I remember the first time, I think I was in middle school, I paid $45 for a pair of Jinko jeans and it was like the biggest deal to me. And I still, to this day, actually remember feeling really shameful as I was purchasing those at the register. Um, because that was so much money for me. I had worked so hard to earn that amount of money. Um, and so, I mean, like I treasured those jeans and I wore them until they were like falling apart. Um, but so in the beginning, it was just this kind of necessity thing. And then, you know, as I um, got married and started my own household, it, it still was a necessity thing. We were young and in college when we got married. Um, we moved to Kansas City so my husband could continue his education. So even moving here, um, you know, I was doing photography and running that business to help provide income for my family, but resources were incredibly tight. Um, and so thrifting also became like a utility thing. And I would say probably within about like the, I mean, I always, I enjoyed it. Um, I've always liked it. So that was kind of helpful for me in that aspect, but I would say probably about, you know, within the last six to 10 years, that was kind of where the shift came where instead of it being this, like, well, I can only afford these things. It became like more of this, like excitement, like, oh, I can treasure hunt for things. Like, look at this great thing I found. I'm hundred percent that person that when you're like, oh my gosh, that dress is so cute. I'll be like, thanks. It's vintage. I paid a dollar, right? Like I love being able to like share that with people because I think that for a lot of people, the idea of thrifting and sourcing, sourcing things secondhand is like very like removed. I think there's still quite a bit of shame around it, especially like in my millennial generation, um, the younger kids, like they don't care at all. Like my son and his friends are constantly swapping clothes. They're constantly going to the thrift store. So I feel like TikTok has brought forth this like reemergence of, of thrifting a little bit. 
Um, so anyway, so it just became this thing of like, you know, decorating a home. Um, it was like more fun and more interesting to bring in collected, more unique pieces. And 99% of the time, they're way higher quality than anything I could buy, you know, from Marshalls or Home Goods. You know, that's all, um, it's, it's fast furniture, really, is what it's become. And so the quality is low. It's probably going to break. Um, and so it just became something more enjoyable. Yeah, it seems like with consumerism, like just our society and and I was kind of I was definitely in the same generation as you as my mom. We were so poor. We were insanely poor, Deanna. And I mean, trailer parks just run yeah. down, run down. And but my mom, because of how she had grown up, her parents were very wealthy. And so it was extremely shameful for her. So she would not even, I was raised with the idea that like, we could not set foot in a secondhand store. Like it was gross. Like I used to get, I remember like distinctly, like I, I wouldn't go in, like if my dad had, cause they were divorced and not together, whatever. If I was visiting mm -hmm. my dad and he tried to go into the thrift store to like buy something, I did not want to go in with him because I didn't want to be seen. And then if I did go in, I'd get like the heebie-jeebies because I thought it was in my mind, I'd been brought up that this was a dirty place. Like you said, it's dirty. It's gross. It took me until like a senior year of high school or something when my best friend's like, get over it. Like there's no stigma. It's actually cool. Like let's go buy little boys t-shirts to wear to warp tour. And I was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Like I finally, it stopped breaking and it would have been so much help more helpful if my mom had been okay with it. But I mean, it was just the way she was raised, but if she'd been okay with it, there was so much, we went without, there was so much yeah. like, it was awful because she would not even entertain the idea of secondhand type stuff. Like that was so shameful. That was so embarrassing. And so instead we just lived without and it was hard. And yeah. I remember the first time my grandma bought me, like we were visiting my aunt in Salt Lake and my grandma bought me a Calvin Klein sweatshirt and a pair of Doc Martin boots. And oh, see, I've never had a pair of Doc Martin boots. It was intense. Never. It was, I think I wore those like every single day, every single day, because it was like the big thing. Like I had arrived, like you had to have a Jansport backpack too in middle school. And so when yep. all these things came together, because my grandma bought them for me, I, uh -huh. every single day went to school. Like I have arrived. like, here I am. Right. I remember people commenting, like other kids being like, Ooh, like you're wearing Calvin Klein. Ooh, you have on Doc Martens. Ooh you have a Jansport yeah. backpack. Like I had finally arrived or something so silly. Really. It's, it's a silly thing, but also because of the extreme like poverty that I was living in. And when I did need clothes, it was absolutely clearance track as cheap as you can get. And it never occurred to me at that point, you know, until well into adulthood that, I mean, there's not, I don't want to shame anybody for doing what you have to do to get by financially because I understand yeah. poverty, but the problem is we're feeding this horrible cycle when we're buying these super cheap, like yeah. you said, like throwaway items, we're feeding right. the cycle and we don't realize the impact we're having environmentally or socially, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, the people who are working like in other countries, the children, the child labor, like there's so much that's this throwaway culture is like negativity is contributing. And we'll talk about more of that later because it's very interesting. <laughs> But I want to know about your favorite thrifting score of all time. The best oh, thing you ever scored. I mean, there's so many. Um, my kids make the joke. I mean, 99% of my house is secondhand or thrifted. Um, I even have Ikea furniture that I've thrifted, right? So um, I'm like the queen of Facebook marketplace, basically. And um, I would probably say... 
I think my very favorite thing that I've thrifted, um, when we, we moved into this home uh, four years ago, right? And it's like our big, like, ooh, we made it grown up house. And um, it's a very, you know, it's an old, it's over a hundred years old. It's beautiful. We're, we're so lucky to live here, but it's got one of those big grand dining rooms. And we, in our last home, never used the dining room. We also have an eat-in kitchen, right? So there's a table in the kitchen as well. And then there's a table in the dining room. So we decided to forego having a dining room table and we sourced a pool table off of Craigslist and got a killer deal on this pool table. But so we turned our formal dining room into like a game. We call it the pool hall actually. So it's got a pool table with a ping pong topper. We had to have a special short queue made because there's one shot that the window gets in the way. Um, but I think it like just seeing, you know, it'll go like a month where it doesn't get used or the kids don't play with it. And I was like, that's silly. And then all of a sudden we'll start back up with like nightly pool games, ping pong games. You know, it's constant when friends come over, when the teenagers come over. So it's just one of those things where, you know, I think it's probably one of my favorite because it just kind of was like, what's the most functional for my home? You know, it was me making a decision for comfort in my home rather than like, well, stylistically, I'm supposed to have a dining room. And when someone comes over to eat, like I have a table, not a tablecloth, sorry, I have a tablecloth big enough to cover the ping pong topper if I ever decided to do a sit down dinner. In four years, we never have. Right. But if I ever wanted to, I could host a dinner on top of our pool table. Um, but I think it was just one. It was kind of a turning point for me. And just that, like, you know, this is. Um, our homes should be functional and beautiful, but also they should be like some, a place that we want to be and that we're designing our homes, you know, for, for experience and enjoyment, just as much as if we would want to go to like a nice hotel, why can't my house have the same, you know, the same feeling of as, as a great bar in town or, you know, a place that I really want to be. Um, so how do I find pieces that like increase that functionality in my home and that enjoyment of me just being at home? I love, I really like that idea that like, and it's the whole idea of like throw fashion away, throw what's in style away. What mm -hmm. works for you? Like what, yeah. what is going to be most useful and like bring you the most happiness? Cause that's right. what's important. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I love that idea. We, one of the only pieces of furniture we hauled across the country with us is a big giant dining, like formal dining table. Cause we were going to have a formal dining table in this new house. And I've never had a formal dining room in my whole entire life, but, right. but the table we hauled across the country with us is one that I scored off Facebook marketplace uh, mm -hmm. back in Idaho from a family that was in like South Ogden or something, a very, very wealthy family who had just had this table, this like really grand, really heavy, really nice yeah. dining table, like big. And they just had it in a game room. And they're like, it was just in a game room we never, ever, ever even used. Like, right? it just sat there. And it was a sweet find. And they gave us a really good deal. And they knocked off even more because we had to drive from Idaho and Holland, mm -hmm. you know, and they were very nice people. But one of the best finds and then we hauled it all the way across the country with us but right? but i liked what you said well, because now it's, become, now it's become a part of your family history though too and i think that like that's kind of one of the cool things about finding pieces that like they become special to you because you know it's like now that that's a piece that like someone may want sometime right like it was throw away for someone else but just because it was throw away for someone else or someone else couldn't utilize it doesn't mean that you guys can't and it doesn't become special to you. And when it stops becoming special to you, it's also a high enough quality piece that you then pass it on to someone else and it becomes a treasure for someone else. So then it's, it creates this cycle. 
it kind of reminds me, Deanna, or what it made me think of when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, we live in a throwaway culture, but it's like giving items, especially quality items, a second chance. Mm -hmm. It's like a Toy Story effect. We both lived in the time yeah. when Toy Story came out and it was huge and you felt guilty right. for any toy you ever, <laughs> you know, like, like yes. all my things have feelings and I'm so mean. But it's like this Toy Story effect, like I'm giving my items, I'm giving my loved items that maybe I've outgrown or maybe I don't love so much right. anymore or I don't need so much anymore. I'm giving them a second yeah. chance to be loved again, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a group of girlfriends and we've started regularly doing uh, clothing swaps. And so we all just clean out our closet. We get together. We have a bottle of wine. We, you know, toss around clothes. We make fun of each other for some of the clothes we still have in our closets. Um, but there's been things I've given away and I'm like, I could never wear that. And then I see a friend wearing it and I'm like, ooh, can you give that back? That's really cute, right? And so it's just been this really fun way of like recycling things. And then like seeing a friend wear something and enjoy something that has been hanging in my closet forever that I never really enjoyed. It like adds that, that, that sense of like enjoyment and satisfaction as well. It's like, yay, something else got new life and it's continuing and it's, it's a great feeling. I like that. I like the idea of clothes swapping parties. I, I feel like oh, I'm going to yeah. have to incorporate that one pretty soon. Okay. Oh, what's dude, one it's... idea? It sounds fun. I, we're, I'm actually having a, an adult slumber party sleepover, not adult in like a whatever way, yeah. <laughs> but like the, the girlfriends down here convinced me that you have to have a housewarming, which I'd never like, that must not be an Idaho thing, because, but it's definitely no, yeah. a Southern thing. And so I'm uh -huh. like, okay. And then they'd also said like, oh, you have this big old new house. We need to have a sleepover, like a wear jammies and have a sleepover party. And I was like, okay, we're going to combine these two ideas and we're going to do my housewarming <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. That will well, be fun. Add as a clothing swap, say yeah. everybody. And, you know, we've all done it enough that like, you know, and, and then anything left over that no one takes. And usually there's a big pile, right? Um, we typically try to donate to some kind of a women's shelter or an organization mm -hmm. that um, gives those clothes away for free instead of, I mean, I love thrift stores. Or if we if we need to donate to the thrift store, we're really careful about which ones we donate it to to make sure that it's going to a local one that keeps their prices reasonable um, to pass on those items as well. So you know, then we feel like we're like doing good. We all get some new clothes and um, it ends up being a ton of fun. So throw it into your sleepover party too. So everybody can bring a, bring bring a small bag sure. of clothes, test it. Yeah. That's really fun. All right. So what is an idea about thrifting that you think the majority of people get wrong? Oh, that everything's dirty. Um, and I'm not going to say it's not. Um, I also think that people think that for them to go thrifting, they need to start at someplace like a Goodwill, right? Um, where, you know, those those kinds of stores can be really overwhelming. If you're new to thrifting, I do not recommend starting at a, like a normal thrift store. I highly recommend starting at either like an antique store or a secondhand store. Like one of the stores that I have a booth that I resell in, um, you know, they have some new things as well. They have handcrafted things, you know, there's vintage clothes, there's new clothes. It's like this very eclectic mix of stuff. But what you're going to walk into if you're new to this journey is you're going to walk into clean things. You're going to walk into things that have already been repaired and laundered. They've been taken care of. Um, and you're going to walk into a more curated situation. So think of it as like more of a boutique shopping experience. So if you're new to all of this and you would be overwhelmed by walking into like a Goodwill or a Salvation Army, don't start there. 
start on the higher end thing. Um, when we first moved to Kansas City, there's they have this big weekend. The first weekend of every month, there's this one neighborhood in town um, called the West Bottoms. And there's like, I think they started out with like 10 antique stores. Now there's like 30 that open, right? It's this huge event every weekend. And there's food trucks and there's bands and live music. Um, and even when we were broke as a joke and I could not afford to shop in those stores, I would get myself a cup of coffee. I'd put in my headphones and I would just go walk through those stores, right? Because I found them very inspiring. And one of the things that it taught me is what to look for Right. So I got to see curated goods. I got to see what kind of things were considered special. And so then when I start went back to those other thrift stores, I could be like, oh, my gosh, I saw something similar at that at that antique store. Now I'm starting to train my eye to what is more special, what's more unique, what's going to be a higher quality. And then when I'm in those dirtier places, it's easier to spot the more valuable things out of, you know, a lot of the junk that may have also gotten donated at the same time. So anyway, I kind of, I think I went off topic off your question, but there's my soapbox for the day. Um, if, you know, if you feel overwhelmed, start small, start curated, right? Um, there's a lot of online, you know, on Instagram um, resellers in your neighborhood. There's one that lives a few blocks from me. I've purchased stuff from her um, often because, you know, she'll go do all the digging and the cleaning and then she posts it and I'm like, oh, that picture would actually look really good on this spot I have on my wall. Um, so you can start there to start training your eye um how to shop that secondhand um facebook marketplace is another great one if you feel overwhelmed by going into a store and secondhand shopping you know if you need a new end table go on facebook marketplace search end tables you'll have to do a little bit of work to train your algorithm to show you good things um, but i set my radius pretty small like three to five miles because i know i'm i don't want to be driving half an hour 45 minutes because i could easily um, and if i'm looking for a bigger item you know there was a minute i was looking for a couch and i set my radius up to two hours to try to find the right couch um, and i did i bought a ten thousand dollar designer couch for a thousand bucks and when my children jump on it or eat their, you know, food on it, which they're not even allowed to. But when they do, I don't feel as like, I'm not like, oh my God, that's sacred stuff it. we spent so much money on it yeah. because it's a high quality item, but I got it for a steal. And so I can teach my kids how to take care of stuff without being stressed about the expense of what it costs me. Absolutely. So I keep running. Sorry, Jordan. I'm really no. excited about all this stuff. I love, I, I love everything you just said. And I did a lot of, we sold everything when we moved across the country we kept very 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 little because we didn't want to haul across country so i've spent right. a lot of time yeah trying to be strategic about what i furnished this house with and i've gotten quite a bit off of facebook marketplace and you can if you're patient and if you keep watching you you can find really great deals and save yourself a lot of money and like you said then you're not as terrified of your kids ruining it because you're like i didn't way overspend on this like if it does get ruined which i hope it doesn't but if it does get ruined it's not catastrophic exactly it's perfect yeah, I, um, when we moved into this house um we were we did a bunch of construction projects and we decided that we wanted to invest in some professional help getting our living room put together because we'd never had a really great space like that so i hired an awesome designer friend she came in she gave us a, some incredible ideas about what to do with the space i loved everything she gave us until she sent me the breakdown of the furniture budget and it was twenty thousand dollars there was a thousand dollar line item in there for throw pillows and I was like, I have three boys who love to create pillow forts and dive in things. I cannot have sacred things in my house like that. So we ended up not doing any of the things she told us, but I, you know, and the plan was amazing and would have been great when my kids are all 20, 
right? Um, and so I ended up sourcing, but I took a lot of the ideas that she had and I took a lot of the inspiration, but then I sourced all this stuff myself and it's still a very comfortable room. I'm very grateful for that experience. But you know, if you've never shot furniture before also, that was a huge sticker shock. And I was like, I, I can't, even if I can afford that, I don't want to afford that is really where it became. I want my money. I would rather take my kids on a vacation for that much money than have a big fancy sofa. So yeah, so that was where this journey really started. We also had like six couches rotate through that room while I was trying to figure out what worked. Um, and everyone was irritated at me about that. They were like, can you just pick one? Um, so, but it also makes, it makes it a little easier to make mistakes too, when you're buying, cause you, you know, if you buy for the right price, you can also probably resell for close to what you paid for it. Not every single time. Um, you know, but if you're careful about it, it's like, okay, well that sofa isn't really working. You know, I paid 300, I sold it for 250. So I lost 50 bucks, but I learned a lesson. Um, and that, so that was kind of a helpful progression in all of this as well, is it gave me room to like play a little bit more in designing my house. Um, but I think what you said earlier about patience is really, really important. And I think people forget that. Um, I think people just forget that they're like, well, I moved into a house, it has to be ready right now. And it's like a slow design, a slow process creates a much more comfortable home. And the pieces that you're going to bring in are going to be much more higher quality. Because I mean, any of us can run down to home goods and furnish our whole house in a day right? Like all these 24 hour challenges on TV make me angry. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. you didn't tell them if you sourced all that furniture in one day, or if you had that in a storeroom that you could pull from, that's not fair, right? Most of us can't afford to do that. And if we did do that, we're getting garbage furniture that isn't going to last, um, especially if you have children. So yeah. then it also becomes that sustainability thing too. It's like, what can I buy that will last, not be precious and fit within like a much more reasonable and attainable budget. Absolutely. And my shopping now for my furniture for this house, 100% different than when my kids were little. Like I, the couch I bought for this house and I kind of, for me, I, I mean, I shopped around, shopped around. For me, it was a splurge for the, for the family room couch, but it was still like the best price I could find on it. I would never mm -hmm. have bought that couch when my kids were little though, because it would have got destroyed and it would have been yeah. Not a good idea. When your kids are little, just find something utilitarian and don't put so much pressure on yourself to have the most beautiful house. You know, give them right. time to grow. Give yourself time to grow. <laughs> yes. Agreed. They're going to draw mentioned... Like, Yeah, they're going to draw something. It's terrible. Right. And I think I, a lot of times when I talk about that, people are like, so you're just like letting your kids jump on stuff. And I'm like, no, we talk to them about being careful with furniture. We talk to them about taking care of these things. But also, like, I have to acknowledge that they're still kids and they still want to live in this home. And I don't want them to feel like they're living in a museum. And I don't want them to feel like our stuff is more important than their joy in our home. And so, you know, like, we don't, I mean, I, well, we actually do let them jump on the couch. We bought an ottoman that pushes, that's like four by four. It's the most ridiculous piece I think I own in my house. But it pushes into the corner of our L sectional and makes the best couch bed forever. And so I'm like, you know, what? I'm not giving up on that until the kids don't want to make fort beds anymore. Cause they're also like, it's the most fun, but Hey mom, come jump in our fort bed and watch a movie with us. Like, heck yeah. So yeah. thanks ridiculous Ottoman for providing this like fun experience for our family. So yes, childhood should still be childhood. Yes. And yeah. So I, what is your very, very favorite place to score the best thrift finds? Ooh, 
Um, so lately I, um, especially since I started doing resale myself, um, I am huge into estate sales. Um, estatesales.net is a nationwide website. It is such a fantastic resource. Um, you can go on, you can mark favorites for estate sales. You know, sometimes I'll make a drive for one that I feel like looks really good, but usually I'm just sticking to houses in my own neighborhood. Um, it'll tell you when, what days the sale days are. Some days I want to go the first day if there's really good stuff. Some companies are a little higher priced. So if I know that, then I try to go there last day and just like see like what's left, but like I've still walked away with some good treasures. So I really love a great estate sale. Um, we also probably for like more accessible, um, I really love local thrift stores. So I try, you know, you're going to have the good, you've got savers, you've got Goodwill, you've got Salvation Army. Those are going to be nationwide. They're also going to be really touch and go as far as their pricing goes. Like we went to a killer Goodwill in Florida while we were on vacation that had amazing prices. But like there's a couple in my area that like I won't even bother to step into because I feel like their prices have really been inflated lately. So I think figuring out in your own neighborhood what's available, but local thrift stores are always my number one place to start. I would much rather go to those. Um, I also like that they're usually supporting local organizations. Um, we have a couple great ones that are for like, you know, homeless um, organizations. And so I know that money is being kept in our community. And so I'm also really careful when I donate to also only donate to those thrift stores. Um, there's one, you know, in my neighborhood and it's local, but their prices have just gotten out of control. So I really try not to donate to them because I think they need to pull it back just a little bit um, because it needs to be accessible for the people that need it. Um, right. So, but I mean, estate sales are my favorite. We're good. You know, it's spring. We're getting close to yard sales. Um, I love a yard sale. Um, my kids are all trained to be like, mom, yard sale, you have to stop. Um, so, you know, those are also really great ways to find really good deals on stuff. Um, and you know, if, if it feels overwhelming to start again, I say like pick one store and start popping in there on a regular basis, you know, put in your headphones, set a 10 minute timer. If you're like, okay, this is overwhelming. I'm just going to run through in 10 minutes. Anything that jumps out at you in 10 minutes was something that was like meant to be yours. Um, my oldest son is 15 now and, uh, we, he loves thrifting as well. I call him my little enabler. Cause like I'll put a no shopping weekend and he'll be like, but can we go to the bins? Um, and the Goodwill bins, I, uh, we find a ton of great stuff at, but it's not a normal place for thrifting. So it's not a place I suggest anyone start at if they're new to this. Cause it is like, that's the dirty store. You got to dig to find stuff. If you find it, it's going to be super cheap. Um, but it's a lot, it's a little bit more work. So, um, yeah, I would say estate sales are probably my favorite. Poor core. I took him to the Raleigh market, which is a huge, huge flea market. That's been happening every weekend in Raleigh, North Carolina for ever. And I took him with me because I was like, I have to go. And I tried to take the girls once before and they lasted like five minutes and I like, get me out of here. So I took him when we were in Raleigh for our anniversary weekend and there, they now have this like Amazon bins, uh, stall store area. He got so yeah. overwhelmed. He got so overwhelmed. It's like all this Amazon overstock stuff, but they don't organize anything. It's just all put into like, it just put in boxes and thrown out there and you have to dig and dig. And there's a ton of other people that are digging and trying to find um, scores as well. And everything is ridiculously inexpensive. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I got some scores. I won't lie. But Corey right. got so overwhelmed. Eventually, he's like, let's leave mm -hmm. now. He's like, I can't do this. 
<laughs> yes, I don't. Um, I I have friends all the time. They're like, I want to go estate sailing with you, and I'm like, you, but you don't. Like, I'm not a casual. I'm not a casual thrifter. I'm not an. I'm not a casual shopper ever. So um, I have to like really put my like okay, put the brakes on. Like, you know, if I go down to the big antique stores or even the store where I have my booth, um, my husband can come and he'll last like one floor with me, and then he's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna run up to the cafe and just sit and chill. Let me know when you're done. Um, and so, you know, like, and it's fine. I've just learned, like, if you don't like drive your own car, if you want to go thrifting with me, because, um, it will go on way longer than you think it should. And, um, but I'll help you find stuff, you know? And I've also like, I mean, I've got a list of stuff for friends now that are like, oh, you're going to be thrifting. Like, will you keep your eye out for these kinds of things for me? And it's been so much fun to be like, Hey, what do you think about this? You know? Or like, I'm looking for a special gift for someone. Like, do you mind keeping your eye out? I have a friend that his dad collects duck decoys, right? Like antique ones. And so like, I've sent him pictures as I'm out. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And you know, like I've found him a couple things that he's been able to like gift that have been really special. So if you don't want to do the thrifting, there are lots of us out there that are happy to do it for you. Yeah, I like that. Um, so what is your favorite part? Because you now have it as part of your job. You have booths mm -hmm. where you are doing reselling. What yes. is your favorite part about your job? And what is your least favorite part about that job? Ooh, I think probably like pricing stuff. I mean, the shopping is definitely the most enjoyable part. Um, but then once I get it home, I've got it, you know, get it cleaned. A lot of the stuff that I do find because of where I'm sourcing it does, I do the dishes a lot. I do a lot of laundry. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be like sewing on buttons, that kind of thing. Um, but, um, the, the one store there, I have a booth. Um, I do work on the weekends that it's open. Um, so I'm actually there at the booth. Um, and I don't have to work the whole time. I only have to, I'm only required to work a few hours, but I love being there because the community of people is so much fun. And also it's really, really exciting to see people buy things and get excited about things that you were like, oh my gosh. I love that too. And you love it. And now you're going to take it home and use it like sweet. Um, so it's really fun to like, see other people like validate your, your taste in things. Um, I found... Jordan, we can... One second. I yeah. just have to pass this baby off. Hang on. Yeah. One second. Sorry. Oh, no pass problem at all. No problem. I'm not used to babies in the house anymore. <laughs> That's okay. So what I was going to tell you is yeah. another item that I hauled across the country with me was this old beat up it's like a 1950s uh what is it called it's not a bucket chair it's a anyway it's a chair it's a chair that i hauled across the country with me and the reason i did is because back in the 1950s when it was originally i don't know where it oh, i don't know where it's sourced from but my grandma got it back then when she very first got married i think and back then Back in the 50s, like 60s, our grandparents' time, like you value things you bought. Like these are the children that came out of the Great Depression. Like their parents had lived through the Great Depression. And mm -hmm. so stuff had value. And you right. learned to mend things. You learned to make things last. You learned to take care of things. And stuff was built to last. Stuff was built to be quality. It wasn't the throwaway culture that we have right now. And so my grandma rocked her babies and this is the earliest that i know it goes to it may go even earlier than this but it definitely looks like late 50s early 60s like oh it's ugly right now it's very very ugly 
But my grandma rocked her babies in this chair. And then, of course, she rocked me. My dad rocked me in this chair. Mm -hmm. And then when I first got married and we were, we got married way too young and we had nothing. We were so, so poor. You know, because you did the same exact thing. So, so, so poor. And my grandma was like, oh, you need some furniture. And she gave me this chair. So I rocked my babies in it. Like for years, Mm -hmm. I had it. Even though it was so ugly and beat up, I had it to rock my babies in. So this chair has like deep sentimental value. And so I hauled it across the country with me and I'm in the process of saving up money to get it all completely reupholstered because that is hella expensive. It's worth it. Like it's worth it to like keep this heirloom piece and to make it nice again and like for the sentimentality of it, but it's hella expensive. And so I was also looking into getting a footstool to go with it. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be so expensive. First, I have to find a footstool that will kind of match the time period and everything. And then I have to like pay to get it upholstered too, which I'm telling you, it's like $1,200 to get this thing upholstered. Like I I don't want to spend another however many hundred to get a footstool reupholstered to match it. And so while we were driving through uh, Greensboro, Last weekend, weekend before, my daughter had an uh, all-state chorus. And I was looking at Facebook Marketplace as we were driving because I was like, I want to find a footstool. And I found the cutest. It's called like Grand Granddaddy's Attic or something like this. And like one of the small towns yeah. in between Greensboro and Raleigh. And we found the cutest. And it's a mid-century leather, you know, it's, it's a footstool. Mm-hmm. And it's in perfect condition. But it, it, it's so cute and it was absolutely perfect. And there's no way I could have, you know, right. paid to have something made like that that would look that good or that would actually be period. It's from the same period. It's mid-century. And it's right. so cute. It's the best score. Such a good score. And I'm going to use that with my chair. I'm mm-hmm. getting reupholstered instead of, you know, paying yeah. for something else to go with it. Because it's right. going to work perfect. It's going to be so, so cute. I just have to make up my sticky mind for sure about which of the fabrics I'm going to use. Maybe I'll send you pictures of the swatches and get your opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to do, but I just keep going back and forth. Right. But it was right. But I mean, even, you know, you taking a chair that has this kind of history and this kind of love and investing $1,200 into it, that is a huge chunk of change. But if you go to a designer store right now and buy a chair of the same quality, you're going to spend anywhere from $1,200 to 2000 right? Like we've got the big, I go to the big designer, oh, the great designer store all the time in town. I walk through it. I look for ideas and then I go source them thrifting. Um, right. But I mean, like, so yes, it's a big chunk of change, but also keeping in mind, like the quality of the item that you're going to have custom to you that also has sentimental value is, is kind of priceless. Yes. Um, Right. Because that chair, the fact that it's even in a good enough condition to be reupholstered means that it was constructed really well. You're not going to run down a pottery barn and find that. No. And it, right? lived, like, through, it lived through multiple yeah. moves. Uh, it lived through right? floods. Like my grandparents owned a river house that was just a few miles from the beach on the Oregon coast. And so yeah. multiple floods it lived through. <laughs> It's indestructible and it's a good omen and it's worth hanging on to and, and investing in to continue the legacy of an item like that. Right. Oh, and I Uh, I have this dream. I have this, like, I envision it in my head that it's going to be completely repulsive. It's going to look so nice and it's going to be so pretty. 
and then I'm going to have get somehow get my grandma and my dad out here at the same time so that we can have like that moment when my grandma's like touched mm -hmm. by the fact that the chair is still around and it's still so nice <laughs> and it's like she's already said like she's seen it and she saw it in pictures from like when we were moving and stuff she's like oh I recognize that chair and I was like yeah it's because mm -hmm. I'm holding on to it yeah. I also have like her mom her mom passed away when she was like 13 of breast cancer I still have okay. my great grandma's sewing machine like the sewing machine table what? like the old I still have that and I have a dress my my great grandma made her own prom dress like she sewed her own prom dress I have that dress and the frame got shattered in the move so I'm going to get it reframed so it's all nice again uh -huh. and I'm hanging up somewhere but all these yeah. all these items from that era when stuff mattered before we had this throwaway culture yeah. all of these items are like priceless to me and I want to keep a hold of them. But while we're talking about this throwaway, <laughs> I go off on tangents all the time. While we talk oh, about same. this throwaway thing, I wanted to bring up some, like, I made this like checklist of like reasons why you should thrift. And I just like, I was brainstorming and made this lift list. And I had some that were on like this pollution, like thinking about environmentally, well, why it's right. more environmentally friendly in this throwaway era that we live in is that number one it keeps clothes and other items furniture household goods it keeps them out of landfills which our right. landfills you as you see are overflowing i live by the ocean i live by the beach our oceans are full of plastic our oceans are full of garbage it's disgusting humans are disgusting <laughs> yeah we, we, we are gross it helps reduce chemical and carbon pollution because they use so many chemicals and so much is put out into our atmosphere and into the world from clothing production. And when we're just burning through clothes all the time to like stay up with fashion or because we get the cheapest finds and then we, we don't keep things and, and value right. them anymore. And so we're just polluting, polluting, polluting. Uh, pol if you've never looked up clothing pollution to my listeners, look it up and read about it. It is a bad problem. And that's just one aspect of it. Uh, also, water consumption. It takes so much water to produce clothing. Mm -hmm. Jeans, just just the jeans industry, it, they use an outrageous amount of water to create these jeans. It's 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 mind-boggling. Right. Um, so th those are like, yeah. There's a, there was a Berkeley study uh, through Berkeley University that sh showed that Americans throw away 10 and a half tons of clothing every year. Right. So that's that's after the people who are donating clothes. This is after that. Like the stuff that just gets mm -hmm. thrown away is 10 and a half tons of clothing every year. It's insane. But also it gives you know, items a second chance when you thrift, like which I talked about this toy story effect, like, oh, I'm giving this item a second chance. Like I, it's not for me anymore, but somebody will love it. Like giving, <laughs> giving it a chance to be loved. I love the idea that a lot of thrift shops support charities. And I, when you say like, look into, look into the charities that these thrift shops are supporting. I love that. Right. I, my favorite little thrift shop to go to here in in Jacksonville, well, I don't live right in Jacksonville, but in Jacksonville, North Carolina, it's called Finders Keepers, which is a cute little name, but it supports the women's shelter, the Onzo County Women's Shelter. And it goes to, and they give women who are in the shelter free items that come in that are donated yes. so that they can go to job interviews so that they can, you know, go to school and get educated. Like it's a great organization and the prices are always fair. Like I looked into all these things. And so when I have a choice to donate somewhere or when I have a choice to, 
to go shopping somewhere, I always try to hit Finders Keepers first because I really like the charity that they support. And so if you're looking to secondhand shop, if you're looking to thrift, find out what charities those thrift stores are supporting because a lot of times it's really great. I, I'm doing a, I'm participating in a yard sale coming up. That's my, my subdivision. I don't know what's called my neighborhood, my HOA. They're doing a community yard sale. So they're going to be advertising for it, putting it all out there. And I talked to, right. I'm in a rotary club and I talked to the rotary press and I was like, let's participate in this community yard. sale." I have nothing because I got rid of everything when I moved, but like, let's gather stuff from people in the rotary and people who want to get rid of stuff and do the yard sale. They're already advertising for it. Let's do the yard uh -huh. sale and let's, you know, it's an empowering girls rotary. Join it if you want mm -hmm. to, it's virtual, but like, but like, we're going to support a woman, uh, a cause that empowers women and girls. Like, that's what we're going to do. We haven't decided for sure. Maybe the Onslow County Women's Shelter, but we're going to, we're going to decide what we're going to do. And we're going to participate in this yard sale to support this charity because, you know, there's just so much, yeah. there's so much good that can happen in that. Uh, you get more bang for your buck. We talked a lot about this. You get so much more bang for your buck. You sometimes the little bench, little chair thing that I'm sitting on right now. I saw the same exact one for 60 bucks at home goods. Uh, the same day I found it for $15 on marketplace. It was like brand new. It was a family on the base that lived on the base here. And they, people move on and off base all the time and they needed to get rid of it. And so I ended up getting the same exact little stool bench that I was going to, that I thought about buying at home goods for 60 bucks. I got for 15, like you, right. you can get so much bang for your buck. And then if I decide, Hey, this doesn't work or I don't like it. I'm not going to feel as bad about getting rid of, get rid of it because I only spent 15 bucks on it. Yeah. That's um, especially true. Like, um, when you have young children, uh, I never bought new items for my, for my kids, um, because they grow out of things so fast. That was that a totally lot of on my time, list. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the things I would, you know, would buy, um, secondhand or, you know, when I did buy it, I was like, Oh, I don't want to buy these hiking boots where you're going to wear them twice before you grow out of them. So then I take advantage of that when someone else is selling them too. Um, so, you know, oh. for kids stuff too, that's cute. Absolutely. Kids grow too fast. And their and their interests change too fast, and it just I'm not going to spend this much money, you know, an insane amount of money on clothes or shoes or whatever when you're going to wear it, like you said, a handful of times and then be done with it. Like it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Dance stuff or sports stuff or any of that. And clothes, just clothes. Kids change sizes so fast, like it's just not. And you know, your little sweet babies. Uh, once upon a child, I think that's a national thrift store change. Once upon a child, and they're so selective about what they'll take. Um, if you bring anything in, if it has any pet hair on it whatsoever, or if it smells like smoke, if it looks stained or tattered, they won't even look at it. They won't take it. And so once upon a child, like if you have kids, is a great resource. Um, oh, you talked about how like thrifting maybe makes you a hoarder, but I was thinking about how it reduces hoarding. <laughs> she's laughing at me it reduces hoarding because you don't feel like you have to hold on to things you didn't spend that much money on it so like instead of just keep it keep it keep it you're like oh it's not serving me i can put it back right. let somebody else enjoy it instead of like holding on to holding on to it like thrifting and like donating things gives you a chance to not hoard so much um yes. no sales people i love that there are no sales people <laughs> 
I love that. I hate going into a retail store and having someone like follow you around because they're going to get commissioned and be like, what can I help you with? What can I get for you? And it's like, oh, honey, I know you're just doing your job, but you're making me so uncomfortable. So I love that there's no salespeople. Um, yeah. I love that you get like to be unique and creative in like styling yourself. Not everybody's going to be wearing the same exact thing. You get to, you know, right. think about it and be unique and creative. And Macklemore kind of like brought this idea to attention with his pop and tag song. And it's true. Like, yeah. You're not just going to look like every other person in the room. You're going to have unique things with unique right. stories. And I love that. It allows you to experiment, which you really brought up. And I love that reel with your orange bent because like it really drives that point home is you get to experiment you get to see hey do i like this in this in this spot and be like like if you have an idea like oh i think i want this piece of furniture mm -hmm. right here i, I want to try it but then if i hate it i want to be able to right change my mind and not feel guilty because i spent a thousand dollars on it you know yeah exactly i love that and then of course the kids grow too fast that was on my list okay i wrote <laughs> down this one and it sounds dirty but it's not dirty <laughs> wrote down less shrinkage and I was like what am I talking about okay less shrinkage means like when you buy clothes particularly they've already shrunk like you don't have to worry about like trying something on in the store and then getting it home and wearing it and washing it and having it shrink you don't have to worry about that so much with secondhand stuff yeah. <laughs> that's what I was yeah. talking about even though I wrote it down like that and I was like what was I saying oh and then no it makes perfect and one thing to note too, um, as people are like going out and start, especially if they're new to thrifting and thrifting for clothing, a lot of thrift stores since the pandemic have shut down their dressing rooms. So one thing I highly recommend is if you're going to go um, research beforehand, which thrift stores still have their dressing rooms open because um, you really do need the ability to try on the clothes. Um, I know like one of my neighborhood got rid of their dressing rooms. They have no intention of bringing them back. And they're like, but we have a return policy. You can bring them back. And I hate that because that puts a lot of burden. And, you know, just like with anything, you don't know how it's going to fit. So keep that in mind as you're starting thrifting, as you're going to go to stores, is double check and make sure they have a dressing room open before you get a cart full of clothes that you're excited about trying on. And then you find out there's no dressing room because I've done that. And then I'm just angry. So um, That's true. Yeah, make sure you can try the stuff on and make sure they still have a dressing room. And honestly, like so often I won't return things because I just don't want to spend the money on gas going back and time people like right. I've already spent the time there the first time like I don't have time to be back there again so right. time and yeah. money you know gas is money time is money that those are considerations to take into into you know your decisions but the last one I had on my list was ethics the reason I brought up ethics is because the clothing industry is insane especially for Americans it's insane and like I am totally guilty of this. I love a sweet deal. I love a sweet deal, but I don't think when I'm getting my sweet deal or when I'm just ordering the cheapest thing I find on Amazon or some, you know, the clearance rack at Walmart or whatever, I don't think about the ethics of it of like what I'm actually feeding by doing this. And right. the UNICEF had a study put out that said that 168 million children are still engaged in child labor right now, like in sweatshops and in child labor right now, 168 million. And that's just children. There's also people right. being worked to death, literally in so many third world places so that we can live our throwaway culture. You know? Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's very, very true. And I think one way to like really combat that is not just thrifting, but also what you were talking about earlier with overconsumption. One thing I've noticed at thrift stores recently is a huge increase in the number of like 
brand new with tags items from Sheen, from Fashion Nova, LuLaRoe, all garbage lines of clothes that make items really, really cheap, that make them kind of difficult to return. So people, so then, you know, you buy them off Shein, hoping that you'll get the one item that actually fits and is sewn correctly. None of them ever are. So just stop ordering them, please. <laughs> but then when they don't fit you and you don't want to return them, they end up in thrift stores, thus overburdening even our thrift stores with this, with garbage. That Because those are, if they were unusable for you, they're going to be unusable for someone else. And ultimately, even the thrift stores are going to cycle those items into landfills. So the only way to stop that from happening is for people to just stop buying from those sites, right? If Instagram gives you an ad for some item of clothing and you get there and it says it's $20 and that's not an item that should normally be $20, please stop buying those things because you're going to get it. It's not going to fit. And you're like, you know, they all are like, yeah, we'll give you 50% refund just to keep it. Like that's a sign that these are problematic companies. And unless we stop buying from them, they'll just keep producing and, and I mean, and like ethically, a lot of them are ripping off designers, right? That deserve to be credited for their work. Um, we know that, you know, we know that's been a problem with like H&M and Zara and all those kind of brands for a million years. But, you know, some of these other ones are making it even worse. So I would say like in our overconsumption, don't just say, well, I'm going to thrift and that's going to solve the problem. You also have to stop buying things, you know, even if it was a great deal at Target or at Nordstrom's, I don't care where you buy it from. If you look at the tag, like or before you look at the tag, put on an item, tell your, ask yourself, how much am I willing to spend on this, right? Would I buy this if it wasn't on sale? If the answer is not yes, then just don't buy it. Because even donating brand new things with tags, sure, they're really nice, but like you could have saved yourself that money by just not buying it at all in the first place. So like watch your own consumption regardless. And I'll say right now, like we've over thrifted items too. I've bought things from the thrift store being like, oh, this is great. And then I get it home and I'm like, oh, it wasn't really that great. And so like try to get into the mindset of just like, do I really need this? Do I really want it? Um, and is it actually gonna last or be useful? And if the answer is no, even if you're getting a good deal on it, just leave it behind and walk away from it. If we don't stop that cycle of purchasing and purchasing and purchasing, none of these things will change regardless of whether you're buying them from a thrift or you're buying them retail from the beginning. It's totally true. And I'm totally guilty. Like I've, I've scored yeah, some Shein scores. I won't lie. Like I have some stuff that I've got at Shein that I was all excited about because I got it cheap. And I, I, I do, I like a lot of it, but I don't think I've really considered the actual cost of these low cost retail finds. Like I don't think that I've ever really stopped and thought about it like oh yeah it's a score for me it's a sweet deal for me but what is the actual price like what am i actually contributing to what is is it worth the convenience and the low price for the actual price of what this is right. you know well and sometimes the answer still will be yes right um sometimes we you know there are people that can't afford it and they don't have the time to go dig through thrift shops they need to be able to go to a store and get their work wardrobe but they need so even when we're buying you know if we if you need to shop at target and you are shopping at target how can you make sure that the items that you're buying fit you well and will still last you what can you do to take care of them better so even if you are buying that inexpensive item because that's what's in your budget or your time constraints what can you do with it to make sure that it's lasting you as long as like get the most amount of wear out of it as you possibly can. 
right? How can, can you shop your own closet first before you go look for a new item? Can you rewear things? Can you restyle things, right? Like my favorite thing to do is to um, shorten dresses. One of my favorite dresses was a Target find, clearance rack, right? But I didn't love the length of it. So I took 10 minutes and hemmed it. And now it's one of my favorite items. And I've worn it to like, it's like my wedding go-to dress. Like I've worn it to like three or four weddings. And I'm like, I don't care if people take a picture of me over and over in this. Like that culture of always needing something new, I think is really what's the driving force behind a lot of this, right? So can you shop your own closet first? Can you ask a friend to borrow things, you know? And if that's not accessible to you and you just have to go get something at Target, how can you still make sure the item that you're buying from Target or HRM or Forever 21 is of at least decent quality that you're gonna be able to get more than one wear out of it? So if you ask yourself those questions, then that will also be really beneficial. And then, you know, even if you're spending a little bit more on it, it like I wouldn't go spend $2,000 on a dress you're going to wear once, maybe unless it was your, like your wedding, maybe then you can do it. Um, you know, but can you, how do you get the most life out of any item that you're buying, whether you thrifted it or you bought it retail? And that's going back to that mentality that our grandparents and great grandparents had that we don't just waste. We don't just throw things away, you know. And it's it's a definitely not the mentality that is out there in the world right now. All right. Yes. So before we go, because we're getting close to that time, is number one, is there anyone that you follow when it comes to thrifting or business that you suggest that the rest of us follow? And number two, and if there's someone we some way we can support you, let us know. And number two would be if you had the attention of the whole world, we pretend that everyone in the world will listens to my podcast. If, Love it. If that were the case, what would your three most important takeaways from this conversation be? Ooh, um, I think I'm gonna go takeaways first, if that's okay. Um, I would say number one, be patient. It will pay off. Um, number two, don't be afraid to be creative. Um, try things in different places, try things in new ways, style things differently than you did the last time. Um, and number three, um, don't be afraid to just get in there and try. Um, you know, if you have to start small, start with small bites um, and then build up, right? Start where you feel comfortable and increase your language and your understanding of those things. And then it will get easier and easier and easier. Um, so yeah, those are my three takeaways. Um, as far as who to follow, um, probably want someone that's influenced me huge over the past years. Um, she's called the, the Makerista on Instagram. Um, she's actually local to Kansas city too, which is how I came across her. Um, but she started probably like a couple years ago, she started a club called thrift with the makerista and it is something that's paid. So you do have to be a paid subscriber for her Instagram and for her group. Um, but I, I joined it kind of curiously cause I was like, I'm really good at thrifting. What is she going to teach me? And that community of people that share about their thrift finds and how they style pieces, what they're looking for has increased my vocabulary so much, both in like how to design around thrifted pieces, um, you know, what to watch for, what makes a, a furniture piece actually like a good, you know, is the scale correct? Is the materials correct, right? Um, how to, you know, be more, a little bit more creative. And, and um, so I love the Makerista and the thrift with the Makerista. That's been, it is worth every penny to join her club. Um, if you want to follow me, I am still very slow building up the Instagram side of things. Um, but my Instagram page is um, a little bit vintage Casey. 
Um, I picked that name because I felt like I wanted people to know, like, you can start with just a little piece at a time. It doesn't have to be this big overwhelming. You don't have to jump in and be like, I'm going to be all vintage tomorrow. Um, you can start incorporating small pieces. Um, and so just little chunks to begin with. Um, yeah. I love that name because it reminds me of Shit's Creek and Shit's Creek is my favorite. <laughs> a little bit like this, but it's a little bit vintage, but uh -huh. it is exciting vintage. and I love it. Yes. And I thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me about this because I feel like thrifting has brought me happiness. I feel like it brings you happiness. I feel like it could bring other people who listen to this happiness and that's what it's all about. And at the end mm -hmm. of every episode, I have a tradition that I like to do with my guests and so i asked them to put their hands over their hearts or chest or your heart somewhere in there and say <laughs> <laughs> i matter i matter i am loved i am loved i am enough i am enough awesome <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much deanna for talking to me and yeah. take care and keep thrifting and keep posting all of your awesome reels and finds because I want to see all of them. I will. I promise. Awesome. I'm getting, I'm getting better at the Instagram thing. So awesome. Hey, yeah. thanks so much. Take care. You too. Bye. Tell Cora I said hi. I will. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.